0: New York, yo, it's in New York, yo, it's in New York.
1: Welcome to Crash Course Autographs. For our third episode, Matt had the chance to speak with Jesse Andrew of Emperors and Elephants. Earlier this year, the band released their debut album on Pavement Records called Devil in the Lake. Their single, Man of God, was recently turned into a music video, which is provided in the link below. And so, broaching topics from live music to vinyl collecting
2: and overlapping musical tastes, here's Matt Storm and Jesse Andrew. Hello.
1: Hey, this is this Matt?
2: This is, is this Jesse? This is Jesse. Hey man, how are you?
1: Hey, what's going on, bro?
2: Not too much. I just wanna thank you for uh being willing to do the podcast and do some chatting.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, I mean, thank you, man. Thank you for having me.
2: Uh, it's my pleasure. Um I I befriended Shauna through uh head P E because I did an interview with uh Mark Young from there and oh, nice. Nice. Uh, it was a really nice dude so and so then I reached out to Shauna. I was like, Well, I've you know, I got up the the podcast and I'm trying to start a new podcast that's mostly just interviewing. So you got any other guys? And she sent me you guys over. So um, I checked well, out the record. Here we are. Yeah. Um, uh, but, yeah, so thank you for agreeing to do the show up front. I want to say that I really love the record. Um, I think that it's great. It takes me back. So I'm in 90s kid, that's when I did most of my musical developments, and I yes, used sir. The 2000s. Yeah. and you guys have that nice hard riff with the melodic singing that's like I'm a sucker for. Every time I hear it, I'm just <laughs> like oh, this is shit.
1: That's exactly like, every single time I hear like crunchy riffs and then some dude like kinda whiny, melodically singing, I'm like, alright, I'm sold.
2: Like, let's do it, alright, I'm on board. Um,
1: yeah, I, I'm on here.
2: And, uh, and I also want to say at the top that you're one of a handful of bands that I've heard cover Wicked Game, and your cover of it is probably one of the best ones I've ever heard. Um,
0: Thank you. Uh,
2: that Thank said, I mean, also, uh, who doesn't love you know the original one by Chris Isaac? I mean,
0: yeah, Chris.
1: You know what I think it is is like is like I I listen to that and I hear like it's like a sexy slow version of it. But what I always like was I was drawn to it was like the lyric content of it is incredibly sad. Yeah. And and incredibly, like, almost ominous and dark. Like, it's, it's not a happy song. But when you listen to that original, you, you almost get swept up in, like, just the melody of it, and you kind of lose the fact that, like, it's a really sad song. And so I think, like, when, like, him did it, and and like, Stone Sour did it, like, those bands, like, they kind of touched on, on like, the darker side of it. And, and so that's when we kind of melded together. Like, we kind of took like, the heaviness of, of the hymn, like, music aspect of it, but I wanted to sing it like me, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I like, because like, Corey Taylor does it, like, more stripped down, it's more acoustic, and then him is very, very hymn, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, very, very, like, European synthesizers, like, over the, I wouldn't say over the top, but it's just very him. Yeah. I kind of wanted to do it like if Alice and Chains covered that song, how would it sound? You
2: it's, know what
0: I mean? Like, hell yeah.
2: No, I totally get that. And and it, and it that comes through. I mean, it it, yeah. it it gets you to hear the song in a different way, which is always fun. Um, well,
1: I don't know about you, but I always feel like when people cover songs and I hear them doing it exactly the way it was, I, I just say to myself, like, well, why don't I just listen to the original? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, if you're going to do it exactly... And then there are those other people that just go way too left field with it. And you're like, wait, wait, what? Like, what just happened? Why, why are you doing this? But, so you kind of have to find that happy medium with covers where you do it your own, but you kind of have to do the original justice.
2: Yeah. Totally. Um, so the uh, the the first thing I want to ask is, so um, this this album was sent to me by Shauna and, you know, I see that it's on Spotify. I don't see other albums. So is this your debut album with this band? Yeah,
1: yes, this is this is the first. This is, to be honest, this is, um, I mean, maybe not so much Randy because Randy was in Tech Pacific Coalition and whatnot. But this is for the majority of us, our first, you know, actual like freshman attempt at like putting real music out there. You know, like. Uh, Jeff and Jason had a few bands in the nineties. Um, they, they didn't really go anywhere. They they self put out records and they they independently like went out to Walmart and bought jewel cases and printed their own CDs and and whatnot. And then Ron, the bass player, he's he's been in like a bunch of as weird as it sounds. Like he's been in some pretty successful cover bands
0: mm-hmm. like,
1: to the point where he was getting paid like thousands of dollars. Um, so, but I don't think he ever put out like legitimate original music until now um i mean i think i think he had been in bands that played original music but i don't think they ever got to the point of releasing actual music um for like the whole world a year instead of maybe just like chicago right Uh, so yeah so this is our debut record the way it went was we we started back in late 2010 real late in 2010 and we went the complete opposite of, of most bands. Whereas I'm like, you know, when you get together with a a, a group, a lot of times, like you get really excited about the music and you just want to put something on a CD and you just want to be able to play, like play it in your car and you want to get excited about it. And and a lot of people, to me, I feel like rush that process um, because I think that like a song there's so many times where you'll play a song like a year later and you'll have an idea or even like a few months later and you'll have an idea and you'll go like, gosh, I wish I could have put that on the CD or I, like the songs grow and they change and they develop. And uh, so when we started, it was, um, we took we like the first year and all we did was we recorded, um, bring it down your will and dead sleep, just like in a spare bedroom at Jeff's uh, second house. And we just, we, it was like on Pro Tools probably on a laptop with like a Shure microphone and the drums were sequenced and the bass probably was sequenced. I'm not hundred percent sure. I don't remember, but it was, it was very, very rough recordings. And all we wanted to do was just throw something like, we just wanted like to make the Facebook and to be able to have like a link for people, you know what I mean? Like so that people would, people would be said something to hear.
0: Right.
1: And, and we chilled on, on those three recordings for like, god like a year all we wanted to do was play like we just wanted to play live right just like year we played more shows than a band that's been around for a year ever should play like we played (laughs) so much and the coolest part about that was we had time throughout that year of playing live to make the songs exactly how they wanted to be you know what i mean
0: right so so
1: so when it came time for the record to to be recorded, like two years later, they were exi- like, we probably saved so much money and so much time doing it this way because when we went into the studio, like, there was no sudden changes, there was no like spur of the moment changes. It was like these songs were exactly how they needed to be. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that was kind of cool. But anyway, I, I probably answered like twelve questions.
2: <laughs> well, I like an I like an exciting. An excited partner in conversation that makes it a lot more interesting <laughs> yeah, than someone's just right. like yes no yes no like
1: yeah you know. exactly yeah yes, exactly
2: no um I, my ne- my next question is so how early I mean this is kind of a cliche and cheesy question but I always like to get a little bit of a history of of a band or a performer so how long have you been singing for is this something that you've done as a little kid or you discovered it in high school
1: I you know what I never get tired of this question because it, I think it's like you said, it's really important. It, it helps you kind of like understand the person. And for me, um, it started in like seventh or eighth grade. Like my, my friends, like there was one friend that was a drummer and one friend that was a guitar player and one friend that was a bass player. And they had this band called mama's mistake. And we were, they were awful. It was time am you know, it was the greatest thing on earth. Um, and so it came time for them to like you know it was it was it was legitimately like it was like my five best friends and so I kind of felt like well hey I want to be part of this like come on so we got together and like I was terrible I didn't know what I was doing I didn't know how to sing and we played probably like three or four shows in like a backyard and we probably played we played like Freebird and like Tuesday's Gone and we played like Paranoid I'm not saying easy singing because Ronnie Van Zant and Ozzy are incredible singers, but like sure. when it really, when it comes to like cover songs, you can kind of suck singing those songs. And like, if people are drinking, they're okay with it. You know, like,
0: yeah.
1: oh, you, know, like you don't have to sound good. Um, so, I mean, that's, that's kind of where I got my first like itch for it. But I would say like freshman, sophomore year, like I wasn't even part of a band. It wasn't, it wasn't even, like, kind of a thing I was, I was thinking would ever turn into thing. But I would just get stool and go and, like, smoke weed in my mom's basement. And I had this old, like, 5-CD changer. And I had these speakers that I, like, built into my ceiling. And I would pretend that a pool cue was, like, a microphone. I would get high off my ass.
0: <laughs>
1: this pool cue was a microphone. And I would play, like, Pearl Jam 10. And of course. Like Utero by Never- my Nirvana and like Core by Stoneable Pilots and like 16 Stone by Bush and like Super Unknown by, by Soundgrab. Like I would put those five or six records in and and I would just sing them. Like that's all I would do. I would to school at like 10 a.m. And I would have no friends because they were all in school. And I lived like 10 minutes away. So that was a total problem because <laughs> uh, it was just too easy to walk to. Uh, so I would, yeah, I would just sit and I would... And I would sing and I, and to be honest with you, I didn't even know if I was any good, you know what I mean? Like I, right. for me, like, I didn't really know, but I knew that I, I could sound decent. Like I could sound kind of like the record. And, and so not so much Soundgarden at the time, because that's, that's a whole beast hard <laughs> to accomplish, but I could sing like Nirvana and, and sound decent. Um, and so one day, like, I just had my buddy, Drew, who was, like, a really... You know, that guy in high school that's, like, really good at music. And so, like, he's, he's the kind of guy where, like, he was, like, two years older. And he was a senior. So he was kind of cool.
0: And yeah. He
1: guitar, and he was in, like... He was in the biggest, like, high school band at the time. So I always thought he was so cool. So he did school with me one time. And he was like, hey, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, I have kind of, like, this makeshift studio in my basement because at, by the time that this had happened, I had got like a mic and a p, like a little PA and I had a guitar or two and, and so I, I kind of just invited him over and he was like, Hey, what do you want to, you know, want to jam a little bit? Show me what you got. And so I just played a few Nirvana songs on guitar and it sang. and he goes, dude, you are the worst guitar player in the world. He goes, but you can fucking sing. And I was like, <laughs> like I, I didn't think I could. And so we started a band and, and we kind of became like a house band at this, this dive bar. And we played one or two shows. And and then we kind of broke up because someone's girlfriend or something. I don't really remember. But um, I think that right there, like that validation of that dude telling me I could sing kind of gave me the confidence of like to go out of my basement, you know, and
0: mm-hmm.
1: kind of sing. And then, and then the biggest turning point for me was I went and saw Pearl Jam at Lollapalooza in 2007, and I waited, like, all day to, to be right up front. Like, I sat through, like, 12 shitty bands <laughs>
0: and
1: for, like, 10 hours, and it was, like, 102 degrees, and it was torture. But it was, like, 9.30 at night, and there was, like, 50,000 people behind me, and I was, like, on the rail. And I just, I watched Pearl Jam for, like, two and a half hours, and I went, that, like, right there, that is what I have to do for, like, the rest of my life. Like, there's nothing else that really makes sense and so I've been in bands ever since and then Emperor Nelson kind of came along and that was the first time that I was like this is something I think could actually go somewhere you know what I mean like there's you know you always like want to think that you like when you're in a band you're like I'm going to be the next Metallica you know Like, you always naively think that and that's great you should because you should be confident in the music you're making whatever music it is but I think, like, there is that side of you when you hit, like, 22, 23 where you kind of have to make the call where you either go, like, I either have a band that I think I have enough confidence where I quit my job and do this, or it becomes, like, a weekend thing that I tour once a year. You know what I mean? Like, you go on tour for maybe a month at a time. You take your vacation. But for us, it's, it's very much like we all quit our jobs and we all you know, we all suffer bill-wise and we all kind of have like really good girlfriends behind yeah. us, support our asses, but, um, or at least I do, but um, I think that that's, that's really how it got started, was just seeing like some of my idols playing and having like, I don't know if you've ever had it, but there are moments at concert that, that like ascend past just a concert, like it becomes a religious experience.
2: Right? Oh yeah, absolutely. It's something that, yeah, like
1: you just like, you, you walk out of that concert and, like, food tastes different and colors look <laughs> like they've never looked before. And that's, that's how it that was for me, man. I was, like, 17 and, and, or 18, give or take. And, and I, was like, I was, like, that's just what I have to do. Like, that, that was the greatest moment of my life. And so, uh, so yeah, long story short, that's, that's probably how that went.
2: Okay, well, that leads me to the next question I was going to ask, which was, "What uh, would you say then that Pearl Jam is one of your greatest influences musically?" Oh, also, oh yeah,
1: I I would say like right what you were saying that 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 nineties early two thousands
2: yeah
1: that, that was me man like dude the first time I heard throwing copper like the live album,
0: oh yeah
1: I was like I was like this like like shit changed man like yeah. Like I have the entire album. I don't know if you know what that album cover looks like.
2: Of course I do. Sure.
1: Yeah, I have an entire half sleeve with just that album cover wrapped around my arm.
2: Oh, that's amazing.
1: Uh, yeah, I do. I spent way too much money. I <laughs> to um, yeah, yeah. I you should have like I went to my tattoo artist, and like you know how most of the time like when you get an album cover, you get like a piece of it sure. or like one part of it. He was like, "Okay, like, so you want to do the dude holding the Bible?" And I was like, "No, no, 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 no. I want to do the whole fucking album cover." And he was like, "Are you serious?" And I was like, "Do it." <laughs> he was like, "All right, man. It's gonna be pricey." And I was like, "I don't care." Nice. Um, but yeah, like the, that. Like, the biggest influences for me were, and I don't know if you hear it in the record, but I don't feel like there's enough people like singing
0: nowadays. Yeah,
1: he sounds like. I feel like there's so many people that fall back on the fact that they have a good tone to their voice, which is cool. Like, you know, you listen to these bands that, that kind of just squeak on by by having a good tone.
0: Yeah. And that's,
1: like, I have no problem with that because most of the time, like, the lyric content and the music behind it's awesome. But I grew up listening to people like Lane Staley and Chris Cornell. And sure. those guys were not squeaking on by by having good tone. Those guys were fucking Singing, you know what I mean like those guys like chris Cornell i I don't even know how that dude toured that long because he I don't know how he didn't blow his voice like every night like he's just incredible yeah. and and so for me like when I when I sing I try to like I try to just think to myself like what would what would Lane say do like what would chris Cornell do what would Eddie better those, those people who were who like like ed from live like those guys who were just singing
0: yeah
1: uh and so like musically i have all types of influences when it comes to like just music that i like but when it comes down to like my craft which is singing when it comes down to that like the bare foundation of like how i sing and why i sing i would say people like chris cornell and and eddie Vedder and and lane staley for sure like so many people compare me to lane staley and i'll pick that all fucking day
2: well yeah he was one of the greatest singers Of that time period,
1: and and I think what made him so great to me is I think there are so many people that try to sound metal or like try to sound like like dark, and he was the type of dude that like you listen to songs like Sludge Factory and Stickman, like he sounded sickly and dark. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like just that he had that tone of just sounding like he was like. Singing in a swamp, and I loved it. And uh, so I would say, I would say those were those were my big. I, and you know, it's cliche as all that sounds, because they're such big names, I don't care because they're the they're big names for a reason. You sure. know, like it, if I want to start pulling out like like
0: obscure
1: like Mark Lanigan from the Screaming Trees and stuff, I could do that all day. But you know, the 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 big hitters of the '90s really just changed my life.
2: Well, yeah. And like you're talking about what you were saying before about how not enough people sing anymore. I mean, that's why like I used to be a big metalhead in high school and in early college. And then I kind of drifted away towards it and drifted more towards folk and some other genres and kind of expanded my knowledge. But that was also because after like the mid 2000s, a lot of bands in punk and metal didn't want to sing anymore. They wanted to scream. And there's a place for that. But like I'm I like Metal bands with melodic singing, you know, I like where the singer, you know, I mean, that's why I grew up loving, Allison Chains because the yeah. guy knew how to sing and he could also scream for emphasis, but it wasn't like I'm spending the entire verse screaming and then I'll sing the that's, chorus. That's why like, like you
1: can look at a dude as cliche. as, him as That's why like you can look at a dude like Corey Taylor and you just want to shake his hand.
0: Yeah, like, absolutely.
1: You know what I mean? Like he's the type, he's the epitome of a guy who knows how to melt your face and then at the same time, like baronate your sleep.
2: Yeah. And,
1: and that, and that's that's, that's, that's such a big, like, it's, it's cool that you said that.
2: Yeah, no. Yeah. And but, I mean, like when, when Stone Tower first came out with their record and you know, the a first, a couple uh, many of the tracks on that first Stone Tower record, he was just singing and not screaming. I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh, Oh, he can do that too. You know, yeah, like, it was like oh,
1: like you're you're amazing. Like, yeah. Um, and, and especially because like subliminal verses hadn't even come out, so Slipknot was, was strictly like Iowa screaming. You know Yeah. What I mean? Like, and then that Stone Sour album dropped, and you were like, wait, what? Like, this dude is is just. But see, like you touch it's it's funny that you touched on the the subject of like folk, because. You know, like I might front uh, a quote-unquote like heavy rock metal band, but I listen to so like like. Please tell me you know who Dallas Green is. Like City and Color. Yeah. Changes my life. Honestly. Sure. And 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 like I listen to like Ray LaMontagne and and like the Civil Wars. Like just like I listen to obscure like random acoustic artists. Like like Ron Pope is incredible. And mm-hmm. and I think. So many people tell me, like, or ask me, you know, like, in interviews or, or even people have come up and ask me, like, if you have any advice for singers or, or musicians trying to write, I always tell them, I'm like, listen to folk and pop music. Like, yeah. listen to good pop music, like Stevie Wonder, and listen to, like, this is like, really good, like, listen to the Beatles, for God's sake, like, those guys, know, and then... And and if you want to go for lyric content, listen to folk music. Listen to folk music as much as you possibly can, because those are the type of people that will help you like learn how to phrase things and learn how to like accent your vocal. Like those guys just sing so beautifully, and yeah. I don't I don't think enough heavy rock musicians give enough credit to to outside sources. Like there's so many times that I'm in. I'm in concerts and and don't get me wrong because these are the people that are buying my records and and loving and supporting the band. But if I hear another guy go like, Slayer, like I,
2: yeah.
1: it. you know what I mean, like yeah, sure, it, it, so so. But anyway, continue. You can go on. I talk too much.
2: No, stop. I, we're doing an hour long podcast, so talking a lot yeah. is, is good. Um, so uh, I saw um earlier today that you guys are actually going on tour with Tantric. Um, yes. Yeah. Which is awesome because I'm a fan of theirs as well. I I got yeah. into them in the 2000s because they, again they fit that kind of a, you know Pearl Jam kind of feel where they they're, they're rock and rollers but he can sing. Um, yeah. Uh, when you how long are you guys gonna be out on tour for?
1: We're gonna be with them for about I think it's like it's roughly around like 20 22 shows.
0: Hmm.
1: Um. And and I think there is like this one. I think we're gone from like. The 5th or 6th, or maybe, I think maybe the first show is the 7th, I think. The first show is like the 6th or the 7th, I'll have to look again. And then it goes until the 16th. Mm-hmm. And then we're home for like 3 or, like 4 or 5 days. And then we go back out until the end of the month, like the 29th or the 30th. I think it's the 29th.
0: Cool. Um,
1: so roughly it's like probably like 20, 22 shows or something like that. But it's so cool because we're on the same label as them. And, um to just like wake up every day and say to myself like i'm on the same record label as like tantric and soil and smiling to soul and
0: yeah me and
1: like that that's just such a surreal thing to say because it's like i remember me and my girlfriend we were, we were in the car just today we we're talking about like i remember being 15 and buying scars like me 20.
2: too and,
1: yeah and and i remember like, of course, like, Halo, like, made me buy the record. Sure. Um, And because, like, you know, that's your, your, your gateway. Um, that's the, that's the whole reason that singles exist. And I remember, like, the exact day that I went to Best Buy, or it might have been FYE, and, like, went and bought that record and got into my freaking Ford Mercury and, and popped it in. And I remember just thinking, like, this is the greatest album of this year. Like, this yeah. Is and, and if you want to go, I was just talking to my girlfriend. if you want to go with a guy who took heavy-ass music and knew exactly when to scream and exactly when to sing, like, Ryan does a perfect.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: Ryan knows how to write a catchy vocal melody. Ryan knows how to, to sing. And then at the same time, like, he is in your face enough when metalheads are like, yeah, like, this is fucking ballsy. And so I would say, like, being able to, to play shows and, and go on little runs with with, uh, with Soil and, and just meeting all those guys like Adam and Tim and especially Tim King. Like, I don't know if you've ever gotten the pleasure of meeting him, but...
2: I have not, unfortunately.
1: One of the nicest guys you'll ever meet and, um, like, just just that alone is incredible. But but again, like, going on tour with Cantric, like, I remember when Days of the New came out, I got really into that sound. Sure. And then broke up and then maybe like, Two or three years later, that first Tantric record came out, and it filled that void of like that acoustic, like almost post Lane savy like rock, kind of like Dave, a little bit heavier than like Days of the New sound. And and I just remember being like, I am so happy that this band exists. Yeah. Because the dude from Days of the New like went crazy and like did heroin and <laughs> uh, stopped playing music and had some like mental breakdown. And I remember being, like, really upset that that band... Because cantric is completely into that post run sure. phase in the new sound. But they do it... They, like, they, like, like, I almost feel like this is how we're doing. Like, Cantric's one of those bands that's not reinventing the wheel by any means. But they're doing something so fucking well. Like, they're yeah. doing a sound so well. And, and I don't think... I don't really think, like, especially me as a musician, like, I don't need... To reinvent the wheel, like I don't need to be Jack White, and I don't need to to do some crazy like experimental music. I just want to make music that I feel like, like I find myself listening to my own records. Yeah, and that's, that's great. That's, that's a great feeling because it's like this is the music that I want to listen to. And it's, yeah. and I always say like, in the last five years, you have Allison Chains coming out with two records. You have Pearl Jam coming out with two records you have Bush coming out of the new record. You have fucking Soundgarden after 16 years coming out of the new record. You have, you have like, um, the Mark Lanigan from the Screaming Tree is making. It's like, this music is not dead. Like, no. this music is not, dead. and you go to those concerts, you go to a Jam concert, and, and it's selling out in five minutes to 60,000 people. Yeah. Like, and you go you go to an Alice in concert, there's not an MCC in the house. It's like, this music. Is alive and well. It's just so many people are riding the coattails of like that, that, that cookie cutter like radio friendly rock. And yeah. get me wrong. Like I love bands like Feather and Shine Down. Like those guys are fantastic. But I don't know. I don't know if I have that in me. Like I maybe yeah. maybe maybe down the line I'll I'll sell my soul to to buy a- it. <sighs> but. I don't know. I,
2: In the modern internet age, I don't feel like you need to do that anymore. There's so many ways to get your sound out there that it's like you can do what you do well and still get somewhere with it.
1: I mean, exactly. Like there, there, like I just watched uh, uh, a YouTube thing. I think it was from a, a year or two ago, but it was this great interview from Trent Reznor
0: mm-hmm. that was
1: talking about how musicians should completely embrace the internet and stop being afraid of it and and stop thinking that because people don't buy cds anymore that the music industry's dead because though music like actual tangible cds and record sales, might be at an all-time low concert attendance and touring is at an all-time high yeah with the internet i mean Dude, when you went on tour in 1970, the club would—the club itself would have to make flyers and put it around. And clubs don't fucking do that anymore. Like, yep. I have i have played probably 200 shows in the last year and a half, and maybe like four of them made flyers. <laughs> all posted on their Facebook, and they all posted on their Twitter, and they all posted on their Instagram that we were going to be there.
0: Because yeah.
1: What it is nowadays? You don't go out at—you don't go to Kinkos anymore and print 200 flyers and take two hours out of your day and walk around. Like, you just don't do that. Yeah. Facebook and 700 people see it within a matter of a millisecond. So I think, like, the internet is is a great thing. Like, I know we embrace it. We try to post, like, and we don't try to take ourselves too seriously. Like, you know, we don't just post, like, we are going to be here. Like, we post pictures of, like, us in our underwear at the hotel room at three in the morning because that's what you want to see. Like, when I go on a band's page like, if I just see a bunch of flyers, it's like, all right, cool, that's boring. But like you wanna see those like behind the scene moments of bands like being human beings. Yeah. Relate so much more to it. So so I I I think your initial question was like how long we're going on tantric. Yeah. Uh so I'm gonna shut up.
2: <laughs> it's fine.
1: Like a complete rant but um
2: well i mean your rant brought to light a lot of really cool stuff that that i thought yeah. I, I was the only one who thought so like i i think i'm starting to get the sense that we're close in age if not the same age and like when yeah. you're talking about soil scars like when that when halo dropped i was already in the midst of that kind of music and heard him sing yeah. like, oh this is the shit but then when i bought the album and heard unreal where he spends yeah the whole time just singing and, you know, only screaming in the chorus and get has this melodic rip and it's depressing and it's relatable. I'm like,
0: oh, oh my God, this
2: is what music is supposed to be. And then when when he got, <laughs> when he left the band uh, of four or five years ago and they released that album without him, I was like, what is this shit? Like, I don't want to <laughs> hear Soil without him. Ryan McCombs is yeah, the reason I listen to that band. I mean, the the rest of the then, band is great, too. But like his voice was so unique
1: and then and then the dude went to Drowning Pool and made an amazing record. Yeah. Like, an incredible record. Like I still to this day will like put on thirty seven stitches like on oh like a monthly basis. Oh yeah. We'll jam the fuck out of that song. Like and then uh what's that yeah, what's that uh what's that other hit he had with them, the one that's like if you feel like I do
2: Oh uh, yeah. I don't remember the name that, of it.
1: That, yeah, that song's great too. Like that record was so good, so then you have to ask yourself, you go like this is the reason that I'm, I'm listening to this band. It's yeah. Like, it's but on the flip side of it, like soil sophomore record wasn't as good. And then yeah. by like, you know, I, I actually think their new record hole is like really, really good.
2: Oh yeah. Um, well, it's funny. I didn't know they had a new record out and I'd been actually, I had spoken to Shauna about something. I think it was before I had asked to interview you guys. And I saw on her Facebook that she'd posted Soil's new album, and like my eyes fell out of my head. I was like, "They have a new album!" (laughs) But then, of course, I went, "Oh, but that's a new album. Who cares?" And then, like, the photo for the article had Ryan in, and I'm like, "Oh, oh, now I need to listen to this, you know." And it's great. To
1: immediately have my attention.
2: Yes. And 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 it was
1: so cool because I went and saw them back in probably like oh. I want to say, like, 09, and it was with their their third singer. It wasn't even the dude that recorded those records without Ryan. It was because that dude quit.
0: It was yeah.
1: another guy that didn't even make a record with them. It was He was just, like, he, he was so quick into the band and then out that there was not even a time to make a record.
0: Yeah. And I went
1: and saw them, and I just, I, like, like I hung my head low. Like, I just got sad. I was like, yeah. this is not... And I was like, and that's the thing, is, like, he was Great singer, like you know, it wasn't like a dude that couldn't sing.
0: Yeah,
1: it's great singer, but it's like, yo, this isn't this isn't soil, like this is not. So I remember being in like 2011 when they were doing the first tour with. It might have been 2012 actually that they did that first tour with Ryan coming back. Yeah, and I went with my drummer, uh, Jason, and I went, and dude, it was like being 16 all over again. It was like. They, because they hadn't come out with a new record yet and it was still like a year away from it so I don't think they had, had much of it written so all they did was play like almost Scars in its entirety and then a few off the other records and I was like this is the coolest fucking thing I've ever seen like, and <laughs> like it was a reunion tour they weren't playing to like a sold out it was like it was probably like 200 people which are like the greatest concerts because you just you can like see the sweat on their faces and and you just I loved it it was so good
2: yeah well yeah those are my favorite kind of concert experiences too I mean I'll never forget so obviously you're getting a sense of the style of music I've listened to and what I grew up with so it Mm -hmm. won't probably surprise you at all that I also grew up listening to Power Man 5000 Um, okay
0: yeah of course
2: and so when i saw them at bb kings in new york i it was i think it was after the second or third record had come out i don't remember but a friend of mine and i who i'd known since childhood had been into them since their first record and so we went to see them live and it was just before the newest record came out they'd only had a new single so the place wasn't packed but we managed to get up to the front row like on the rails and that moment where spiders singing when worlds collide and I get a high five from him. And then he comes back for a second oh one. It's God. like, you know, as a fan of music and as someone who's as into music as I am, it's like those are the moments that really make a show, especially when you can get, get that exchange, you know?
1: Like, the, the, um, like, my, like my live sleeve is, or my like live tattoo is on the upper part of my arm. Yeah. And then the bottom part, like my entire forearm is jar of flies, like on the inside of my forearm. And then wrapped around it is the dirt cover.
0: Nice. Uh,
1: and I went and saw Allison Chains at the the Raven Milwaukee. And I was up front, like right up front. And I, ho- I was like holding my arm up, you know, like, you know, because the song was good or something. I don't remember exactly. And Jerry, I was on the side of Jerry Cantrell. And it took him like maybe half the set. And all of a sudden he points to my fucking arm at the jar. And he goes, he looks at me and he goes, and he mouths like, fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Then I Then I see him look at Mike, like the bass player, and he like waves him over, and he points to my arm, and Mike gets like this this smile on his face and shakes his head. And then I turned it around and I showed him the dirt, and he like got this big smile on his face. So the dude Jerry Cantrell walks to the side of the stage and gets out his personal cell phone and like gets down and takes a picture of my arm.
2: That's awesome.
1: Like, I, and that's one of those moments. And then he showed. And then he like he like touched my hand because he couldn't really shake it because there was like a. Like a like a two feet barrier in between the stage and the 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 cage. Sure. But he like he like graced my hand, and I was like, that was the coolest moment of my entire life. Like I could have died on a car accident on the way. Like.
2: But those are like those human moments that you really cherish, especially as a music fan. Um, you know, and you bring, and... Up,
1: you bring up Power Man five thousand, and and I know you'll appreciate this. I remember. When I popped in, like, Tony Hawk 2,
0: uh-huh.
1: and, and I remember, was it Tony Hawk 2? I don't remember what Tony Hawk it was, but I remember when, when, when Worlds Collide was in Tony Hawk, I was so happy. Yeah. Yes. I was like, I'm so happy I get to <laughs> pretend to skateboard in video games and stuff. Like, <laughs>
0: because,
1: like, that, that, that's, I would listen to that song, if it, 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 people gave me one option, right before I was about to get in a bar fight if I had one song to put on I would put on like one world side by pop
2: yeah of course sure that's like the best fighting that song
1: that song makes you think you can fight a bear yeah. like um but anyway let's well, I digress
2: <laughs> um so uh speaking of it's sort of a segue with Tony Hawk I I meant to ask um so you're obviously on tour and you'll have downtime do you have a preferred Pastime during downtime, either when you're at home or on tour, or like you
1: play, um, out, play video games. Like okay, so I manage. I actually am one of the few. I'm a very lucky guy when it comes to to jobs. Like I have a job that allows me to go touring. I as dude as random as it sounds. I have tattoos on my hands, in my neck. I I manage a dry cleaner. Right. Wow. It's totally. Totally fucking random, and uh, like everyone I tell that to, and like even my friends are like, I don't, I don't get you. Like I don't get how you have that job. <laughs> um, and to be honest, with you, I don't really understand either. Like my friend was picking up dry cleaning one time, and and I and there was like a, a help wanted sign. I was like, Hey, can I have a job? And they were literally like, Yeah, you start on Monday. And I was like, Okay. And that was like five years ago. So it was cool because like I put my time in for four years. I never missed a day at work. I was always on time, 20 minutes early. I did everything I could to help out, like, days that, like, I wasn't supposed to work. I took shifts. And, like, when they needed a new boiler, like, I went and, like, drove with them and, like, helped them out. I did everything. I was a perfect employee for four years. And then when the album came out and I knew that, like, I was pretty, like, since January, we've only been home probably three months. Um, And then the other, like, collectively when it came to, like, Weekend runs and week long tours and three week long tours and two week long. I mean, we've been gone almost like probably half the year, and I knew that like when that time came, I was either going to lose my job or my my boss was going to like support it. And luckily for for right now, cr- fingers crossed, knock on wood, she has completely supported me and and she allows me to do that. So so I do work a lot, but um, if, if we're going downtime, I would say I'm a big vinyl junkie oh no nice. uh, i i have i have a really nice turntable and i don't have one of those stupid like urban outfitter fucking box vinyls that like <laughs> record players that every hipster seems to have nowadays like i spent some hundreds of dollars on my record player and i have a i have a 1970 like power amp and i have some nice speakers and i would say like i on my weekends like my girlfriend luckily like when we first started dating we we both kind of got like I had always been into it, but and she she kind of always like wanted to get into it and like was always like she always thought it was really cool, but I don't think she ever really had like someone that was equally as into it that would like go with her. Um, so when we started dating, like we kind of got into this habit of like just kind of like like Google mapping record stores and just going to find them. And uh there's been a few times where we get there and it's like it doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, or there's been a few times where like. It's, like, completely underground music, and, like, it's all things that you, like, never heard of. Or there's, like, you occasionally get those ones that are, like, just death, death and black metal.
0: <laughs> um,
1: because for some odd reason, like, vinyl's really big in death metal and, like, black metal. Like, it's all printed on vinyl. Wow. Um, and, yeah, it's weird. And, but somehow, like, I love and hate the fact that vinyl is, like, coming back. Um, because I hate it because there's, like, so many douchebags who are like, oh, I love vinyl. And you're like, no, you don't. You don't, because you own an Urban Outfitter, $50 box record player, and you own, like, Lana Del Rey. Like, all right, you're cool. Um, <laughs> uh, I also, but I love it because there's so many bands that are reprinting albums on vinyl, and then there's so many bands that are, like, printing their records on vinyl now, like, new ones. Like, Heather. Just put out their first vinyl record, like they just came out with a new record, right the first one to ever be printed on vinyl, and that's so cool because vinyl sales are at an all time high in the first time in thirty years yeah so i I do love that um i have a I have a miniature pinger uh named Romeo that's like ten pounds. <laughs> I would say he's a, a pastime and a downtime hobby like he's a full time job man like this is I'm a sure yeah but. He's, like, the coolest dog in the world, and I love him, and I spent a lot of time with him. And then I would say, like, Netflix, I really, I, I spend a lot of time watching television, and, like, uh, I do, I'm a sucker for a good television show, like, a good drama, like, me and my girlfriend are going through the second season of Bass Motel, and it's, like, a, it's, like, a drug.
2: Oh, nice. Yeah, I heard good things about it. I haven't actually seen it.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, if you like the movie Psycho, it's, like, a wet dream. Sure, it's, yeah, it's of really course. It's so cool, because it's, like, they're making, um, but... As for, like, actual hobbies, like, I love Halo, if you can consider that a hobby, like, you, you know, the way was Tony Hart. I do love me some Halo, um, and then I'd probably say maybe, like, yeah, just, like, I'm, I'm a big music guy. Like, I get really excited about, like, going out and buying, a, like, a vinyl. Like, I get really excited about
2: it. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm the same way with CDs. It's, I feel like CD, buying CDs the dying art, but I like having the physical media because the art book and, you know, who took the photo, if there's a band photo, all the details about the band, who they think it's like,
1: just like me. Like, yeah, like I get excited about paint, like the insert.
2: Yeah. We had, so I do another podcast besides this one. It's a review sh- album review show where we either it's me and two co-hosts, either we'll pick an album and review, or if we have a guest come on, they'll bring an album that influenced them or that they really like. And That's we'll review it. Awesome. And so most of the time, unfortunately,
0: I'm totally down.
2: Yeah. If you're in town in New York, I would love to. Um, But, you know, it's one of those things where like, since we're doing an album every week, it's tough to always buy the album. So sometimes we'll look it up on Spotify or on Bandcamp. And like, we had a moment where we were reviewing Muse's new record a year or so ago. And one of the songs had really intense orchestration. And we couldn't figure out if the lead singer who writes a lot of the music wrote the orchestration and we checked Wikipedia, we Googled it, we checked their website, couldn't find it. And at one point I just said, you know what, if we had the effing CD, it would probably say it, you know? (laughs) And that's like a vindicating moment for me because, you know, usually you can find most stuff by Googling it, but a lot of that intricate album information is always listed in the intern. And I love looking at that kind of stuff. I don't
1: know about you, but like, I'm, I'm, such a sucker for looking at like who people thanked on record me
2: too uh, i do it all the time
1: i do it all the time like and especially like i love when like i don't love it because it's obviously really sad but like if a band member passes away and then a record comes out like after the band member passed away like i i'm a sucker for if they throw their name in there
0: yeah
1: if they say like thank you on this, like like when black is way to blue by by Allison in Chains came out. Like, the day I bought it, the second I bought it, before I even popped it in, I, like, went to the thank you section and read, like, the big paragraph that they wrote about Lane. Of course. Like, it was going to be in there. Like, I knew they were going to sing it. Of course. It. Um, and then, like, and then, like you said, you find out these little tidbits. Like, the last song off of, off of Black Is the Way to Blue is this, like, really pretty... It's a song called Black Is the Way to Blue, and it's about yeah. Lane. And it's, like, a two-minute song and it's like Jerry on guitar and then piano in the background. And I was reading through it and fucking Elton John did the piano on the record.
2: That's awesome. I didn't know that.
1: And so then I got really excited that I saw his name. So I Wikipedia'd it and I found out that he was recording in the studio that they were recording in. And they passed each other in the hallway and they ended up having a conversation. And Jerry said that like they were having they were having some studio musician. Uh, or no, some producer sequenced the piano and Elton John, um, asked, you know, like what the, what the song was about. And he read, read the lyrics and he knew the story about Lane and he goes, dude, I don't want you to pay me a dime. I don't want to get any credit on the record. Like, I don't want you to publicize it Like, I don't need you to freak out about it. He's like, but I'd love to write the piano to the song. And so like Elton John just came into the studio with Alice Chase and like, laid down this piano to do. and I would have never known that I mean maybe one day I probably would have stumbled upon it on the internet but like I knew right away because I was reading sort of a CD it was like and you, you like I'm a I'm a sucker for that stuff like I'm I'm such a junkie for just like reading into like meanings behind songs and like where yeah. and I don't know about you but I'm a really big sucker for producers I love knowing what bands work with what, like what producers because I just I think that that like so many people who don't understand music, like overlook how important a producer is. Sure. Um, you know, like the like the biggest like whenever people are like, oh, our producer is really that big of an influence. I always tell people Bob Rock ruined Metallica. Like, and there's, there's a reason that Bob Rock ruined Metallica because Bob Rock was the producer for all those records. Yeah. And, and I mean, granted, like the Black Album's cool, and there's a few things off a of load, and like. Garage Days is kind of cool, you know, but, like, and Reload has, like, K-Nothing and stuff. Like, there's a few in there somewhere, but it's, like, then there's Sane Anger and you just want to kill yourself. And, right. like, and so so I'm a big sucker. Like, for me, if I were to, like, like dream producer, I would feel like Butch Big. I of course. Is, but, yeah, like, dude, he's a drummer for Garbage. He did fucking Siamese Dream. He did Nevermind. He did, like, 21st Century Breakdown by Green Day, like, he did all these, he did the newest Foo Fighters record and he's doing the new one with them too. And it's like, this dude just has this repertoire of like these incredible records that you never, like people who don't pay attention to stuff like that don't give that the credit that it deserves. That like those records are so good because that guy has the ear to give, to make the best that that band can be. You know what I mean? Like a, is the, is the unofficial member of your band like you know when we made our record we we our producer and engineer was this guy named brad dawson and he was the coolest engineer that i've ever worked with because it was so cool because i got i have like add like if you can already tell Uh, (laughs) yeah and yeah like i i have some like attention deficit disorder for sure and i'm a guy who who likes to do like a lot of takes and because like I might hit one really well and for all I know the first one I do is the one that's on the record but I like to keep my options open and I like to do things like maybe two or three different ways and I like to record them a few times and he was so quick. He was the quickest engineer I ever he was like he was just so quick with the keyboard and the, and the board like he would be like okay go and then I would finish it and then you'd go boom boom, boom okay go like he was He was like a shotgun, just boom, 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 boom. And I loved doing that because he was, I've worked with producers of other bands where it was like, okay, that take was really good. Do you want to talk about, like, no, I don't want to talk about anything. I just want to do it. Just do it over and over and over and over. (laughs) I want to talk about this. And, and then afterwards we would like, I would go in and I'd sit with him and he would say like, well, I liked this way. And I liked also what you did here. Maybe you could combine, like, and he, he was just, he was, he was really cool to work with, and I would totally work with him again, and, and I don't think he's as big as he should be, because, you know, like, he's done some, a lot of local records, because he's affordable, and he's got a real nice studio, but he was just, uh, he was really efficient, that's the best word I can use for him, like, he's really... sure. Uh, but anyway, I, I
2: don't even know where we were. No, it's, we were mostly just talking about uh, dying, physical media and, and the dying art yeah. of it. Well, it's funny yeah. you mentioned Butch Vig before, because like every other 18 year old boy, when Garbage dropped their first and second record, like I was in love with Shirley Manson. Oh, of course. And so like I I've, I have been and always have been a huge fan of theirs. In fact, we reviewed their newest record on the podcast last year. I think It was last year. and. Uh, one of my finest live concert moments is I'm waiting after uh, I saw garbage. This is probably in the early two thousands and I'm waiting outside to meet them. And of course, Shirley is rushed right into a car, you know, she's yeah. getting mobbed, but like Butch stops, shakes some hands and I got to shake Butch Vig's hand. And it's like one of those oh things God. where of course, then I tell all of my friends who are into bands, but not that into garbage and don't know producers. well. Yeah. I was like, I met Butch Vig and they're like, who? I was like
1: they like, the ah, so Yeah. <laughs> and like you have to say to yourself like dude, I just shook the guy's hand that fucking made never mind. Like right. I just shook that guy's hand like that. And like how how perfect is that that he. one of the coolest things I like about him is he is a producer, but he is also a musician, like and, that's
2: and that's an incredible that. musician.
1: Oh my god, he From what I understand, I, I bet you you're probably even a bigger garbage fan than I am. From what I understand, I, I'm pretty sure all of the dudes in Garbage are all, like, really seasoned, like, session, like, been-around-the-block musicians. Like, they're all accomplished in their own right. Um, and then they kind of all form together. and made. You know what? I think, I think those guys all probably sat around and went, let's just do what the smart thing is, which is get a really hot girl that can sing. And we'll kind of be in the background, and we'll make a million trillion dollars like right?
2: well when i when because I had read about them last, I mean essentially like Shirley said that like she was a poor girl that didn't really have like could sing but didn't have access or anything, and like the three yeah. of them had this band, but it wasn't really going anywhere, and they needed something different, and they were like, well let's get." A, a singer that would pol- be polarizing for like, you know, some dude is singing over an electronic band. Okay. Whatever. Who cares? Yeah. But they got Shirley and her voice was so spectacular, it brought the music to a whole new place. I mean, the first time anybody heard, I'm only happy when it's rain. It's like, like that song was one of the defining rock songs yeah. of that year. Oh my
1: God. Like that. I remember when my, like my sister, I think my sister was like, give or take when, The time of the year it is i think she's like seven or eight years older than me and uh and so like a lot of my like my first concert when i was nine was she bringing me to tool like that was that was that was my first concert dude that was that (laughs) way to start thing because i mean we can talk we can talk maynard james keenan all day because maynard james fucking
2: fucking he's done everything he can do whatever the hell he wants at this point it, and does it,
1: the fact, the fact, I, I mean, this is gonna be an ADD moment, but uh the fact that I, I have, I have gotten the pleasure and the honor of seeing him in Tool, A Perfect Circle, and Pussifer. Wow. And, um, yeah, and and the coolest thing is about him is he takes on a completely different persona for each one of them. Like Tool, he is very much just a piece of the puzzle. He stands in the back. He's very much like this is. He goes, like, this is Tool. Like, this is not the Maynard James Keenan show. This is Tool. And he he makes his voice an instrument. He doesn't make his voice, like, part of the show. And then in a perfect circle, he takes more of, like, that frontman kind of persona. Like, he still kind of chills in the back, and he's not really, like, he's not like Jonathan Davis kind of frontman. But he's a little bit more interactive, and he's a little bit more, like, he does get to the edge of the stage. And, like, he does, like, show you his face and whatnot. And then in, in Pussifer, I went and saw them. You don't see them. You'll never see them at like an arena or even like a festival. You see them at like theaters, yeah. Um, like more like five hundred, six hundred feet, and it's very like uh, you know, like I don't know what you have in New York, but uh, for us it was like the Cadillac Theater and the Chicago Theater, like those those old like ballrooms that transferred into theaters kind of places. Sure. And it was really cool because he talked the whole time, like. And I was like, dude, I've never even heard you talk this much in an interview. (laughs) He's real personal, and there's a lot of showmanship. Like, there's props that go into the show. He changes outfits into, like, crazy wigs and sunglasses, and he, like, takes on characters with accents. And it was so cool because I was like, you are the dude who can do three individually successful bands and do three completely different things. Like, there are so many bands who struggle just to do one thing well. You know what I mean? Like, just yeah. do one band well. And this is a guy who can take... And not only is he doing personas, but merchandise. Everything looks different. A Perfect Circle has their own logo. Pulsifer has their own logo. Like, Tool has their own style of videos and t-shirt. It's like, this dude's just a marketing genius and, and I have so much respect. But, back to Garbage. Garbage is amazing and uh, it's awesome that you should put bitch face a hand because of <laughs> amazing.
2: <laughs> thanks yeah um, um it, it's it's just it's one of those things that and i'm enjoying the fact that you take this pat it, it it shows in your album because i've gotten very intimate with it over the last couple of weeks listening to it and that's it's
0: awesome thank you so much like that's, what, that's so cool
2: i mean but it's one of those things where talking to you now it makes your album even more like, oh, now I really get it. Like, you clearly care yeah. about music. And like, if someone like I've, I've dabbled with guitar, I'm hoping to learn a little more. But like, I'm not, an, I'm not a musician. I'm a fan of music. I have a production ear. And, you know, my fiance is a musician. So I'm really yeah. into music. But I've always, you know, it's why I started the podcast I started two years ago. It's like, I've always listened to music with an analytical ear. Let me do something with it. Um, Yeah. And so listening to, you know, I listen to music on a different level and I can, I relate to it a lot. You know, I'm a more of an emotional listener and listening to your record. There's so many moments where I can tell it's personal, it's, it's cared for, it's taken well, you know, it's built well. It's not like Mm -hmm. you're some other 2000s metal band with a singer who can sing and you're just putting out whatever into the ether. This is something that, stands out to me and everyone i've shared it with already who likes that genre of music has already fallen in love with it so thank keep, you so much keep, like keep doing what you're doing
1: that means well, you know it's like it, for me uh you know it's funny that you say that you know it's like one of my biggest things and my girlfriend like rags on me not rags on me but she she likes to poke fun at it but like in the best way possible but because like we me and my girlfriend are suckers for the Voice. Like I don't watch yeah. American Idol or The X or anything, but like I love the Voice. I don't know why. <laughs> Maybe it's because it's a little different, and I feel like they actually care a little bit more. Like I, I like the whole idea of like them not being able to see you when you audition. I really like that because I think they're still. Like I hated when when Simon Cowell would be like, "Oh yeah, you have a great voice, but you're fat, so we're not gonna let you talk." You know, and it's like, yeah, dude. You know, and it's like, dude, John Popper from from Blues Travel is one of the best singers in the world, and he's like 400 pounds. Like, fuck you, dude. Um, and so like I uh, it's one of the biggest things uh, on the voice that they always talk about, and every time they say it, she she looks at me and and just has this big smirk on her face, which is like, don't close your eyes too much. Um, and one of my biggest. I've gotten so much better in the last, like, six or seven months because we've been playing so much. But one of the biggest things that I do is when I sing, I close my eyes because, A, it helps, like, I can, I can like, visualize in my head, like, where I need to go, like, volume-wise and tone-wise when it comes to singing. Sure. And also, like, I just close my eyes because I get so incredibly lost in my music. Like, I get yeah. so into it to the point where, like, I almost feel vulnerable, and then therefore, I don't want to make eye contact with people because <laughs> very exposed. Like, Sure. I don't, know, I don't know how well you know the names of our songs, but... Um, sure. ...Hit of Red.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, that song is 100%. Um, it's the only dedicated... Like, we made a... And unfortunately, because I'm a, I am a fan of it, but, you know, we didn't want to take too much space. Like, you our album, on the hard copy, there's no thank you section because... We just had too many people to thank, and we wanted to, to make it less cluttered. And plus, we're like, I don't know, we're not important enough, really. You know, like, no one's going to give a shit about our thank yous yet. Like, one day they will, but, you know, right now we won't. Um, so, like, the one thing that the band all supported is none of the guys have ever met him because he died, um, like, two months, actually, before the band uh, played its first show. So, he didn't really get too much time, you know, he uh, to meet him. And um, actually, Jason met him once. Um, but now they've all met like their dad and his brother and and his, and his brother's wife and, and everyone. And, um, my buddy passed away, you know, about two and a half years ago, uh, he was at a party and some drunk guy had a gun. Um, and he took, he'd never met this dude. Um, and he took the clip out and forgot that there was one in the chamber and was wasted and started going around to people asking if he, like he was pointing the gun at people's chest and asking if they trusted him. Um, and he was like just joking around and messing around, like being a fucking retard. And long story short, my friend told him to go fuck himself, and he pulled the trigger, and my friend was dead, you know, in 13 seconds. It was That's terrible. And, um, yeah, it was real messed up. It messed me up for a long time. And, uh, he was, I don't know if you have one of these, but he was like, he was like a duh friend. You know what I mean? Sure. Like, yeah. That guy that you do. So. When it came time to 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 write, I I wrote this song about him, and, and um, the band all were really supportive of it, and they all they all they always know that right before in a set I tell my story, and and I like to ask people to just be careful with guns, and and to just to just just I you know because I'm. I'm not a guy who who is against guns because I totally see why they're there and I totally understand the point of them. But it's like just be fucking safe. You know what I mean? Like don't yeah, no, be sure. fucking idiot about the shit. You know, like lock it up and and just know your shit. Like be careful. And um, so like the, they're really supportive of about it. And I remember like the first. Maybe the first few months that we were playing it live, I remember like I couldn't even open my eyes, like I couldn't even look at people. Yeah, like I couldn't. I mean, I could look I, when we're singing "Man of God" and it's just about you know like "fuck you" and, and I'm not gonna believe in this system. Like I can look at you all day long because it's personal and it means something. But it's like it's realistically it's more of an energetic song. Yeah. But then you have a song like "Hit of Red" where it was like just talking about such an emotional thing. And, and I, I just remember like being very, very closed off the first few times being, you know, singing it live, like sure. very slow. And, and right when it was done, I remember wanting to get to the next song as fast as possible because I was like, I just, I was so emotional and I was like, but now it's so cool because uh, just everywhere we go, no matter if it's five people in the audience or it's 200, everywhere we go, someone comes up to me and says, my son died five years ago or, or my brother just died two months ago or my son took his own life uh, a year ago or, or or my cousin every single show we play someone comes up to me and talks to me about a loss of their own and it's just so cool to me because I know my friend, it would mean the world to him and, and he he was the biggest supporter of my dream and, and he always came to every show and he looked great in a, in a tight t-shirt because he was just cut so he would always <laughs> merch and try to sell shit and like you know like he was just he, he like he died with two tickets to our show in his in his wallet like you know like and and it, it's just it's really cool because it, it's it's awesome that you say that because when i when i go and play i always like to tell people that like the music is only one part of it and then the other half is, is the show yeah right? after you can't if you feel like if you go see a band where you feel like they punched a time card before they walked on stage, then you're not gonna you're not gonna buy it. You're just not gonna buy what? it. You're not you're not gonna buy their record and you're not gonna buy their set. You know, like and by buy it I mean like you're not gonna you're gonna think it's fake. You're gonna see right through it. You have to you have to leave it all up on there. Like you have to bleed on that stage and you have to sweat because like that's that's the that's the fucking show that's gonna change your life. You never know. You know, it's like Green Day, one of the biggest bands in the world got signed at a show with five people. Like, they're, they're, out of the five people that were at the show, there was an A&R, or, uh, an, R, an A&R agent there, and they said that the reason they signed them was because they played for those five people like they were playing in front of 50,000. Sure. And that, I, always, I always think about that story, because it's like, you never know who's in the crowd, you never know what kind of day they're having, and and you never know if you can change their life. Like, you can help them out. And, and so... Thank you. Like, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, thank you. That's a really, it's an incredible compliment.
2: Well, you you guys deserve it. And I look forward to seeing where you go. Um, it, It's thank really, you, it, it's really been great talking to you. I love the record. Yeah, um, it's
0: great talking to you, man, too. Um, thank if you for having me.
2: My pleasure, Jesse. If you ever find yourself in New York and you have downtime and you're here for an extended I period, do, I
0: want to do the podcast.
2: Yeah, don't lose my number. I'd be happy to have you on as a guest. Have you bring an album? It would be it would be my pleasure. And uh,
1: and and seriously, man, sort of, like um, my name is Jesse Andrew on Facebook. Find me like tonight and, and I'd love to, I'd love to promote your shit, man. I, I, oh. I, I really like what you're doing.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much. I will. Right, well, my name is yeah, Matt man. Matt Storm. So you'll know Matt it when you Storm, see it. Matt so
0: I, I expect a friend request.
2: You'll get it, Jesse. Thank you. Um, This podcast right, man, will so hopefully, much. this podcast will hopefully go up within the next couple of weeks. I'm still working on putting up yeah. the new set of stuff, but I will definitely contact you as soon as it goes up. I'll let Shauna know also. Um, And I look forward to hearing from you. If you right, end Jesse, up in New York, so much, let man. me know.
1: Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let
2: you know. All right. Take care, Jesse. Thank uh, you so much. Take it easy. All right. Bye. If you enjoyed these interviews, please subscribe to this and the Crash Chords podcast on iTunes, where you can also rate us and review us. You can also like us
1: on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Crash Chords Web, our Tumblr, and our YouTube channel. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to post in the comment area below each post. And keep the discussion going, because remember, music is life, and life is good.